Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Jesus said these words about John the Baptist. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 35. He, who's he? John the Baptist. Jesus is speaking about John. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. You know, John was a bit weird. He was a bit unusual, like most prophets are. He wore a camel suit in the desert. He ate locusts. Uh, and honey as a diet. Uh, But historians record that John was incredibly effective. Up to 100,000 people went out into the desert to hear him preach. No limos, no sound systems, just to hear the lone voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And the Bible says here, Jesus speaking, that John's ministry that he was a burning and a shining lamp to his generation. He shone because he burnt. He was on fire. He carried the fire of the message of repentance to prepare the way. In many ways, you and I carry a similar message when we share the gospel to prepare the way in your hearts to receive Christ. We're no longer waiting for Him to come. He's already come. And now you can have access into your life through getting your heart and mind and spirit ready to receive Jesus into your life. But John was ignited by the power of God. In fact, Jesus gave this commendation about John's ministry. This is what He said. Because you remember Moses... You remember Joseph, you remember Jacob, you remember Isaiah, you remember Elijah, Elisha, you remember Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Jesus said that John was greater than all these prophets. Isn't that incredible? Elijah and Elisha both raised the dead. John never raised the dead. But Jesus said this man's ministry was greater than all of them. And John carried an ignition that came from the Holy Spirit within his life that caused people to listen to what he had to say. He was a voice that was crying, but not to, not to fresh air. He was a voice that was crying directly, a prophetic voice that spoke into a whole generation. And today I believe that the Holy Spirit can do the same in our lives. I believe that wherever God's placed you right now, that God wants you to be a voice to the people that you're in close proximity to. That through your life, through your lifestyle, through your words and through your witness, that you too can have an effect upon those who are around you. But first of all, you need to get ignited. You need to shine because you're burning. We see fire all the way through the Old Testament tabernacle of Moses. We see that the first place that you went to as you walked into the tabernacle of Moses was the brazen altar of sacrifice where literally a bullock was slaughtered and the blood was shed and the meat was fried on that brazen altar. It was an altar of sacrifice. 
And it speaks to us today about Christ's sacrifice and His shed blood on our behalf. That now we can have access into the Holy of Holies as we believe and partake in Christ's sacrifice for our lives. Then you walk, you walk past the washing of the water of the Word, the bronze laver, that was a mirror finish, and there was water in there, in which after they had, you know, you get, I come off a farm, when you, when you kill a bullock and you cut it up, you get blood everywhere. So they would walk past the bronze and they would cleanse their hands, and they would wash up before they entered into the holy place. Two places were covered with badger skins, the holy place and the most holy place. And in the holy place, there was the, sh the table of showbread, the 12 loaves that represented the 12 tribes. And then there was the, 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 candles, the candle lampstand, the seven uh, candles, which Jesus spoke about in Revelation. And this candle lampstand was on a table that overlooked the bread which speaks to us of the revelation of the Holy Spirit shining on the Word. The bread is the Word. So the fire and the tabernacle all had significance. And then, and then you had the altar of incense right next door to the entranceway before you went into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. And the tablets of stone and Aaron's rod that budded was stored in the Ark of the Covenant. And before you went in there, there was the altar of incense where fire again was burning. Let our praise to you be as incense, the Bible says. The incense speaks of intercession and prayer. As we come into the most holy place, we partake of the manna. We partake of the bread, which is the Word of God, through the revelation of the Spirit. And we enter into the presence of God through prayer and intercession. This is all the fire of God at work, symbols of how we can appropriate today for our own personal lives, fire in the tabernacle. And of course, there was no natural fire in the most holy place because it was the Shekinah glory that shone. It didn't need the flame of man. And only once a year would anyone ever dare to go into the most holy place. And when he went in, he went with a rope tied around his ankle just in case he didn't make it out and they had to pull his body out because nobody else was going to go in there. Because it's the most holy place, which again speaks to us of seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be. You can't just live your life any old way. Following Jesus is the road of holiness, not working in our own strength, but allowing the Spirit, the new covenant, the Spirit of Christ to empower our lives through the fire of God at work within our hearts. The word ignite means to catch fire or to cause to catch fire, to erupt, to explode, to arouse, to kindle, to trigger, to spark, to instigate. Are you an instigator for Jesus? to excite others, to provoke others. This is what it means to be ignited by the fire of God within our lives. And this morning, there's three possible categories of people here today. First category is fairly obvious. You have no ignition in your life. You are like the car on a cold winter's morning. You've got all the gear under the bonnet to make that thing go. But when you turn that key, it just goes, and there is no spark, there is no ignition. Uh, the lights are on, but nobody's home. You have not yet been ignited. There's no spark in your life to put that engine on fire. Are you with me, church? 
The second category of people is those that have been ignited by the Holy Spirit. God has woken them up. In their hearts, they carry a flame. In their hearts, they have had a revelation of who the Holy Spirit is. They carry that revelation. They talk with the Spirit every day. They ask because those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the daughters of God. And so when we live our lives through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when we allow God to lead us, we have become ignited. And the last category, the third category, are those who haven't just been ignited, but they are igniters. So they've been lit up by God, but now they see their job is to light others up. Who will light others up? Who will light others up? Disciples who make disciples. Woo! I said to Arwen, he, he came up to me this morning, he said, Pastor James, I've been doing discipleship this morning with our two new converts this week. And I said, congratulations, you've just graduated into the school of being a fully-fledged disciple. Let's give him a hand this morning. A few weeks ago, I said, to the, I said to this couple, Georgie and Ania, who are also doing exactly the same thing. They've got a discipleship group going on, new believers, discipling new believers. Congratulations, you've just graduated into the school. A fully-fledged disciple. Friends, the circle is not full until we lead people to Christ, we disciple them, and then they go on to disciple other people. You are now a fully-fledged disciple. This is what Jesus tried to do with his, not tried to do, this is what he did with the 12 who all went on to ignite other people's lives and to not only lead them to Christ, but to disciple them in such a way that when they were out of town, everything didn't grind to a halt. It carried on because they were able with what they had on board to ignite other people's lives. So let's take a, pr a brief look at these this morning. The first category of no ignition. This morning, you probably wouldn't label yourself in this category. In fact, you're probably highly offended that I would suggest to you today that you may be in the first category of having no ignition. But the truth is, friends, this morning, the truth is, is probably that the Holy Spirit has been knocking on your door for some time to take you into a deeper, more intimate relationship and you haven't been responding. You've just carried on doing your own thing and you're saved, but you don't carry the flame of God within your life. You're not igniting others and you probably have more bad days than good days in terms of how you feel about who you are in Christ as a person. It's time to get ignited today. Let's allow the Song of Solomon to speak to us in regard to this first category. Chapter 5, it's a pretty uh, hot uh, book, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. Uh, it's very intimate and romantic. If you take a close read of it, uh, you might blush as you're reading this book of the Bible. Uh, but in chapter 5, verse 2, it says this, I sleep. There's two people in this uh, text I'm about to share with you. There's the Shulamite woman, and there's her beloved, which is speaking of us, the Shulamite woman, the bride of Christ, and the beloved, Jesus, the bridegroom of heaven. Are you with me? Just to put it into context so you understand. Verse 2, I sleep. This is the Shulamite woman, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, 
Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. I can't get my romantic voice on. My dove, my perfect one. <laughs> Whoa, I'm feeling the flush. <laughs> for my head is covered with dew. My locks with the drops of the night. Shulamite still speaking. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? It's all a bit much for him. But the knocks at the door, the invitation's been issued. You see where we're coming from here? The beloved is calling, but there's a lot of excuses being offered up as to whether the door will be opened. Verse 4. My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart leapt up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The Shulamite had desire, she had opportunity, but she also had a lot of excuses. And when the knock came of the Lord inviting her to a moment of intimacy, she had every excuse. I'm going to get my feet dirty. I've got to put my robe back on. And we often, if we're not ignited for God, we always have lots of excuses on why we won't spend time with God, why we won't come aside, read the Word, come into a place of prayer and intimacy, learning how to foster the presence of God around about our lives. And we often offer up every excuse under the sun. You know, Jesus faced this many times in Luke 14. He talked to his disciples and he said this, that a man went out to invite uh, invite people to the great supper, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first one said, I've brought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Maybe he was a real estate agent because we're talking about a piece of ground. Pretty hard being a real estate agent on Sundays coming to church, open homes, all those sorts of things. He said, I've got to go and look after my land. I've got to go and look after my property. So he says, no, I can't come to the, to the great supper. The second person says, I've just brought five yoke of oxen. In other words, a brand new John Deere tractor. I've just got my new John Deere tractor and I need to take it out for a spin. If we're going to contemporise it into modern day life. He said, I've got, to, I've got to go out and try it out. So I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm too busy. Verse 20, and still another said, I've married a wife. Good. Good, good. That's good. I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Mate, if you use that excuse, you'll be using it for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. You see, all with one accord turned down the invitation of the Lord to come to a special time that God was putting on for them. I want to ask you all today, do we present excuses in our life to take our relationship with Jesus another step 
to come closer to Him. And you might say to me today, well, Pastor James, who can really be a candidate to be ignited? Because I feel broken. I feel bruised. I feel beaten. I feel depressed. I feel like I can't really step up to the plate today. Well, I've got some good news for you because this is what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break. Are you bruised? Are you carrying bruises in your life? Has life been difficult for you? When people touch you on the arm, you feel the bruise of something that took place 10 years ago in your life and you still haven't gotten over it from it? Well, I want to tell you today, Jesus doesn't break a bruised reed. He comes and wants to heal the bruises within our life. He goes on to say, a smouldering wick He will not quench. Things may be smouldering away in your life in the wrong way. Or maybe there's just a spark in your life. It's very small. He's not going to put it out. He's not going to quench it. He's going to encourage that within your life. So if you've been buffered, if you feel that your faith is weak, I want to tell you today, Jesus wants to encourage you to come and get ignited. Don't stay in that first category of no ignition within your life. Just being religious isn't going to cut it in the day that we live in. You can go to church all your life, but going to church doesn't mean that you're a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. That's what Keith Green said many years ago. So we're going to understand God wants to take us deeper into the second category. We've ignited, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You're beginning to hear the voice of God for yourself. You're beginning to feel the Lord speak to you through Scripture. You're beginning to learn how to wait on the Lord. And again, I say, the psalmist said, and again, I say, wait on the Lord. You're beginning to understand what it means to develop intimacy with God. Suddenly things don't seem so dim anymore. There's some light on the horizon. You're starting to know that you, if, you, if you belong to the flock of God, you're one of His sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, you're learning to carry some flame within your life. You know what happens when you carry flame in your life? People ask you, what is that flame that you're carrying in your life? They begin to ask you questions about why you're different and how you're different. What's happened to you in your life? You're different to other people that I've met. That's what happens when you're ignited. Have people been asking you recently? When we come into this place, we get filled with the Spirit. The flame begins to burn. We become alive in Christ. No longer is He a priority. He becomes first priority in your life. You see, many of us can make the mistake of including Jesus along with a lot of other priorities. But He said, I didn't say seek ye second, seek ye third, seek ye fourth or fifth. I said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Jesus wants to become the number one priority. And when you get ignited by the Holy Spirit, suddenly He's on your radar screen every morning, every day. You're in communion with Him. You're looking for how He wants to move through your life on a daily basis because the flame is, has risen within your life. Amen, church. Amen. This morning. And so I know it can, be, it can be difficult at times. 
You know, and so when when God ignites us, He wants to do more than just ignite us. He wants He wants us to do something with the flame. Do you remember the Legion, the man Legion? What is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. It's not my romantic voice. I hope not, man. <laughs> Why would he speak like that? Because 3,000 demons are trying to talk out of him at the same time. A legion was 3,000 soldiers. This man, is, this man is possessed. And he comes, Jesus. This man's been cutting himself. He's been slitting his wrists. He's been cutting himself with stones. He's been chained with heavy chains. And he snapped heavy chains through demonic strength and power. Supernatural. This man was supernaturally lit up for the devil. And Jesus comes and delivers him from legion within his life. And suddenly everybody's freaking out in the district because when he gets delivered, the demons say, please don't send us away into the abyss, but send us into the pigs. So Jesus gives permission and they go out of the man and they run into 2,000 pigs and they go careering down into the lake and then nobody wants Jesus around because he's just wrecked the local economy because <laughs> we're all so focused on money at times, aren't we? And this is the truth. They no longer wanted him around because he just destroyed the livelihood of a whole lot of people when all their money went running into the lake. I always find it interesting in America at the elections, and we won't go trumping. We won't go there today, all right? But what is an interesting factor to me is that Americans will often vote when they see the economy rising. They'll go with whoever's doing a good job with the economy. If the economy's going down, then they'll vote. Even if they've never been a Republican or never been a Democrat before, they'll vote across the thing because it's what affects their pocket. So... He's sitting there, the people come who've known him all this time. This man who broke chains, who cut himself, who was terrifying the neighbourhood. And they're freaked out because, number one, he's clothed. Because he used to run around naked. He's got clothes on. Wow, he's got clothes on. Praise the Lord. But then they got freaked out because it says, and he was in his right mind. An immediate transformation overnight. He has been lit up. He has been ignited by the power of God. His life has been transformed. And Jesus says, I'm heading back over to the other side because I've got more work to do. And he begs Jesus, can I please come with you? Please, Lord. And Jesus says, no. Sometimes God says, no. You want to go here, there and everywhere? Sometimes God says, no. He says, why not? <laughs> he says, because I want you to go to the 10 cities in this region and I want you to tell everybody the great things that the Lord has done for you. In other words, friends, Legion, you've now been ignited by the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to take that flame and I want you to spread it around and I want you to light fires everywhere you go. Ignited by the power of God. Oh, that's a little bit exciting, isn't it? 
You see, friends, here's the truth. Without ongoing activation in our lives, it only leads to stagnation. Without ongoing activation, what are you doing with your faith? We're going to be looking into this in the book of James when we study at the end of the year. James says, you show me your faith by your works. Don't just talk about Jesus. Show me. Put it, put it into practice. The word stagnate means this, to cease to flow, to cease to move, to become stagnant, cease developing, become inactive or dull. Who wants to be a Christian and be a dull Christian? Come on, we weren't called to be dull we were called to be exciting. We were called to bring life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's what the Scripture says. He's called us not to a dull, boring life, but to an exciting life that can only be made possible by the flames of the Holy Spirit licking around our heart, putting us on fire, giving us a passion for Christ and for the loss within our life. So with our ongoing activation in our life, we will stagnate, we will cease to flow in the things of the Spirit. And how easy it is for any of us to get into that place. I've known Christians six months ago who were on fire for God. And now they can't even drag their body out of bed to come to a service. What happened? They never tended the flame. They never looked after the flame. They allowed other things and other priorities to come into their life and the flame slowly went out. And when the flame goes out, we're all in trouble within our lives. You know, I think of Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. And this story is found in 2 Kings 2. Elijah was a great prophet of God. He calls down fire from heaven. He challenges a whole idolatrous system of Baal. He confronts them and says, The God that answers by fire, let him be your God, Israel. You're all following Queen Jezebel and her false prophets of Baal. Let's have a contest. Let's see who's the real God. How could he do that? Because he was ignited. He was on fire for God. And he says, let's call down, the one who calls down fire on the sacrifice, let's follow that God, eh? So all of the Baalites, all the prophets of Baal, they're running around. They're having their chance. They're cutting, the Bible says they're cutting themselves. They're slashing their arms. They're shedding their own blood to try and get the God to answer by fire. You know what Elijah says? Is your God on the, on the dunny? <laughs> he doesn't seem to be answering. This is what, read it in the Bible. Have a look. It's amazing. He mocks them. Elijah mocks them because he's so confident of his relationship with God. He's so confident that God's going to answer his prayer that he openly mocks all these false prophets. Nothing's happening. So he says, okay, boys, you had enough? My turn. It's a time of famine. There's no water. He finds barrels of water from somewhere in the midst of a famine. And he pours water all over the sacrifice to make it even more harder to show who's the real God. And then he calls down on the name of the Lord God of Israel and fire comes down out of heaven and consumes everything. There's no water left in the trenches. There's no sacrifice left. It's consumed. He was on fire for God. He was ignited 
by the power of God. And you know what? A young farmer's boy who's sitting behind a plow with a group of oxen. One day Elijah walks past him, taps him on the shoulder, says, follow me. And Elijah has a tail. Wherever he goes, Elisha won't let him out of his sight. Elijah ignited Elisha's life and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elijah did eight miracles recorded in the Old Testament. Elisha did 16. Double portion of the Spirit of Elijah. The prophet network, the chatter begins, says Elisha's leaving. Elijah's leaving. God's going to take him. He's, we don't quite know what's, how it's going to happen. He's taken and, and Elisha says, don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. Because he, he loves his mentor so much, he won't let him out of his sight. So he follows him everywhere. He goes, goes to one place, looks behind him and says, you're still here. He says, yep, I'm not leaving you either. Wherever he went, he followed him. He comes to the Jordan River. Elijah grabs his mantle, smacks it down on the Jordan. The Jordan miraculously parts and they walk over dry ground together. And then he says, okay, what do you want? What do you want? You who are always asking me questions. You are always hanging around me. You won't leave me. You're like a bad smell. You're around me all the time. Okay, I give up. You won't leave my side. What do you want? Elijah, I want a double portion of the Spirit that the Lord's put on you. I want a double portion of everything that you've got. And Elijah says this to him. If you see me when the Lord takes me, then it's yours. Soon after, chariots of fire descend from heaven, pick Elijah up. Elisha sees it all in the Spirit right before his eyes. So because he's seen it, that means he can have the double portion. So he's now about to receive twice as much. Elijah's mantle's on the ground. He picks up the mantle, goes back to where they've just been on the Jordan. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The Jordan parts and they walk through to the other side. Elijah ignited Elisha. Now Elisha is about to ignite many other people's lives. A double portion. What are you asking God for today? Something bigger and better? In the natural or the spiritual? You want more anointing? You want more of the Holy Spirit within your life? This is what Jesus said. If you men who, who are evil know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Are you asking? What are you asking for bigger or better? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit? Is it more of God? Do you want to get more ignition within your life? Finally, the last category today. The igniters. They've been lit up and now they're going to start lighting other people up. They've caught the fire. They've accepted the responsibility. You know, one of the things that characterizes someone who's an igniter, they're always on call. They carry their heavenly pager with them wherever they go. They're never off duty. Even if they're on holiday, they're open, they're available, and they're willing to 
to ignite other people's lives. Why do we miss out on so much of the miracles? Let me tell you, I have met hundreds of pastors, literally, in the East and Southeast Asia. They don't know what it means, and I'm not, I'm not skiding as if this is a great thing to do, because the Bible says we should take rest one and seven, right? Right? Okay, good. <laughs> but they never take holidays, and they're always on call for the Lord. And you know what happens to them? They're always leading people to Christ. They're always seeing miracles. They're always seeing their churches grow. Their churches aren't just growing. They're growing churches that grow churches that grow churches. Because when you are an igniter, you're always looking to how you can ignite other people's lives. I don't want to make this so unattainable for you today because all it is is a perspective and a change of attitude. A perspective, a fresh perspective and a change of attitude, attitude can bring you into this final category of becoming an igniter. You know all, you know the geographical, the geographical illustration in Israel that tells us how this all works. The Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of the Lake of Galilee, marine biologists are still finding new species of marine life. It is teeming with life. And out the bottom of the Lake of Galilee, the Jordan continues to flow down below sea level. It literally goes below sea level into the Dead Sea. And nothing grows in the Dead Sea. Nothing, zilch, zero, nothing grows in the Dead Sea. I've been to the Dead Sea. It is as dead as any. You won't see any vegetation. There's no marine life. There is only salt and water. It is dead. Do you know why that is, friends? The difference between the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and the Dead Sea is one thing. The Sea of Galilee has an inlet and it has an outlet. The Dead Sea has no outlet, only an inlet. And there's a geographical illustration for all of us today that when there's no outlet and you're asking God, give me more, give me more, but you're not prepared to have an outlet out of your life, then guess what? You're going to end up dead, dead, dead on the inside because God expects when you ask for more to release more. Of whom much is given, much is, much is required. Let's say that together. Of whom much is given, much is required. These are igniters. They've been given much, but God expects much out of our lives. So let me finish with this story. Because time has moved on and I'm still here. I'm not a 16-minute preacher, as you well know. Praise God, I wish I was, but I'm not. I just want us to focus in on this. You know, Elisha was a man of passion. Elisha was incredibly anointed. And just like he was Elijah's tail, Elisha also got a tail. His name was Gehazi. And Gehazi was Elisha's, he was his offsider. He was the one that carried out the operations. He was with him wherever he went. He saw Firsthand, the 16 miracles of Scripture in Elisha's life. One day, a young Jewish girl is captured by the Syrians. Syria and Israel were at war, just like they are today. They were at war. 
And a young Jewish girl was captured. And one day she's in the palace, the king's palace, the king of Syria. And the king of Syria has a very smart uh, commander of the army. His name is Naaman. The only problem is, is that Naaman, as smart as he is, and as intelligent as he is, and as strategic as he is as a soldier, he had a major issue in his life. He had leprosy. He had leprosy. Back in that day, nobody wanted to hang around with a leper. And this commander was smart, intelligent. He was a great soldier. And the young Jewish girl says to the king, hey, your commander... If he knew the prophet that's in Israel, he would be healed of his condition of leprosy. She was absolutely confident that this prophet who had been ignited and was igniting others, she was confident that if she brought Naaman to Elisha, that he would be healed. Wouldn't you like other people to say that about you? Greater things than these you shall do in my name, Jesus said. Wouldn't you like that to be said about you, that people can confidently bring the sick to you? You will pray for them and they will be healed. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. We're igniters. We're called to be igniters, igniting others, setting other people's lives on fire. So you know what happens? The king writes a letter to the king of Israel. The king of Israel gets this letter and he's felt all the pressure on him. What's this guy think I am that I can pull a miracle out of the hat and make his commander better and be healed? Elijah, Elisha finds out about the letter and he says, send him to me. So Naaman is led to where Elisha lives. Elisha won't even come out of his house to see him. He won't, even, he won't even give him an appointment. This is the highest ranking army officer in Syria. He won't even give him a face to face. He was offended. He was offended. You know what happens next? He sends Gehazi to give him a message. Go dip your body seven times in the river Jordan and you're going to be healed. Naaman, his pride rises up, as pride does in all of us. Pride rises up, and he says, that stinking rotten river, Jordan, that smelly little thing, I've got great clean rivers with pure water up in Damascus, and he wants me to put my carcass in that smelly little thing called Jordan. He says, I ain't doing it. <laughs> so he won't do it. Fortunately, he's got some bright, servants that are with him. And the servant says to him, hey, if he'd asked you to do something grand and something full of grandeur, would you not have done it? He says, yes, I would have. He says, well, go and do this. So he listens to him. He goes into the Jordan, dips seven times, comes out. His skin is as smooth as a baby. He's completely healed on the spot. He's so touched. He comes prepared to be healed and he's not going to receive a healing for nothing. So he brings donkey loads of fine clothes and silver. I'm talking about a lot of silver. Comes back, sends the message to Elisha and says, I want to pay you for the miracle that you've done. <laughs> Elisha says, God ain't up for hire. God ain't up for hire. 
I don't want your money. But Gehazi, who's supposed to be an ignited one, who's supposed to carry on from Elijah to Elisha to Gehazi to carry on the ignition of other people's lives, greed enters his heart and he chases Naaman. He says to his boss, Elijah, oh, I've just got a few errands to run. Just let me go. So he goes, he chases Naaman down and says, bold-faced lie. Oh, the boss just said, the boss just told me that uh, he forgot that there are some servant prophets in training that are coming to stay at our place and we're going to need some clothes and some money. So Naaman says, no problem, no problem. I came with all the money here. Have a whole lot. And he gives him double what he asks. Double what he asks. He's lying. He's now, he's now put God up for hire. You don't have to pay for a healing when God heals you. Puts him up for hire. Comes back. Before he gets back, he sends the soldier boys that went with him because it's too heavy carrying all this silver. And he gets them to hide it away before he goes back to Elisha. And Elisha says, where have you been? He says, oh, just, you know, doing a few errands. And he says, I know exactly where you've been. I saw you when you went back to Naaman. And he, he replays the whole thing. Elisha has seen it in the spirit. He forgot that God sees when man can't see. Here's the point of the message. I know that took a lot to get that out. But here's the point. Often our hearts are clouded with wrong motives, with greed, with pride, with all manners of attitudes that stop us from inheriting the ignition of God's flame within our lives. And like Gehazi, we go off track and we miss out on the double portion anointing. What should have Gehazi got if we followed it down the line? He should have said at the end of Elisha's life, could I please have a triple anointing of what God has given to you? You got a double one off Elijah. I could have asked for a triple anointing. But you see, friends, he failed the test of God. I want us to stand to our feet this morning, please.